the best education that I got in college around money actually came from a book that I borrowed. So it had nothing to do with the college degree. There was a book that I borrowed called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it basically gave me the answer that I was looking for, right? The way to become financially independent uh, was to own assets, right? Have enough um, investment income coming from your investments to cover your expenses. And then nobody could fire me or uh, put me in a position where uh, I, was, I was vulnerable. And so from that, on, that part on, I was hooked, right? And, and it manifested in saying, okay, I got to learn how to become a business owner. I have to learn how to invest in real estate and I have to learn how to invest in the stock market. So I grew up in Houston, and when I went when I went to college, I wasn't really interested in going to college. I, you know, sold a bunch of stuff in high school, vacuum cleaners, door to door, satellite, you know, satellite uh, TV uh, deals. So I was like, hey, I want to be a business person. And my dad was like, hey, you're good in school. It's probably better for you to just go to college. So I went to college, and my freshman year, uh, my dad got laid off, and then I was like, okay, you know, I know what I'm going to study while I'm in college. I'm going to study uh, how to become financially independent. I'm going to study money because I don't want anybody ever to do that to me because uh, it was pretty, pretty devastating. And it ended up being, unfortunately for, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, the biggest driver in my pursuit of studying money. Um, and so, you know, sometimes God uses the biggest obstacles that happen in your life or other life that you love to push you to be the best that you could be because it forced me to be on my own. Uh, I had to figure out how to uh, continue paying for college myself, how to work, how to use my money wisely, made a lot of dumb mistakes, you know, signed up for uh, credit cards, even though I didn't open them. I had like something like 20 different credit cards open um, on my account, you know, by the time I graduated, because they would give you free t-shirts or food if you signed up. And I was like, hey, that's free clothes and food that I don't got to worry about, cool. And that hit my credit score, so learned a lot. Uh, but I decided to, when I became a finance major, study, took every course I could on investing, money, uh, insurance, so I could understand how all that stuff worked, read books. The truth, truth be told, the best education that I got in college around money actually came from a book that I borrowed. So it had nothing to do with the college degree. There was a book that I borrowed called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it basically gave me the answer that I was looking for, right? The way to become financially independent uh, was to own assets, right? Have enough um, investment income coming from your investments to cover your expenses, and then nobody could fire me or uh, put me in a position where uh, I, was, I was vulnerable. And so from that, on, that part on, I was hooked, right? And, and it manifested in saying, okay, I got to learn how to become a business owner. I have to learn how to invest in real estate and I have to learn how to invest in the stock market. So did a bunch of internships, bugs some realtors, went to a CCIM uh, course, um, did some stock brokerage internships, um, just did everything I could to, um, to learn the business 
until finally um, I decided, hey, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a financial advisor because it encompasses looking at somebody's whole picture and helping them to build a financial plan, invest in the stock market, advise them on outside investments uh, if I need to be. So uh, the way you get in that, for those who don't know, is you, you sell products, right? You, it's not super easy to go straight into uh, the money management side of the business unless you went to a, a Harvard or uh, a Yale, but for regular folks that went to a regular four-year university, uh, you got to come in through selling products for the most part, unless you really know somebody. And so I sold mutual funds and uh, insurance for eight years, uh, learned the business, bugged the heck out of the wholesalers that would come and pitch their products. And what I ended up learning, one of the first lessons I learned about investing is cost really matter, right? Costs matter a lot. The cost, your transaction cost for investing is, is huge, right? It was some report that showed the um and i can't remember it so uh, please you know uh, uh charge it to my heart and not to my to my head not to my heart but it was something like uh the mutual funds over different periods of time one year three year five year period of time so you look at the returns uh and which funds ended up in the top um quartile or top 25 percent um it was the the ones that were at the top consistently was the ones that were the lowest cost and so I was like, hmm, right? And for those of you who don't know, the lowest cost funds are uh, ETFs or index funds, exchange traded funds or index funds. And those are something that commission-based people can't sell. You don't get a commission for selling um, low cost mutual funds, right? Because by nature to help squeeze costs, they don't pay people to sell them. And so a mentor who was a fiduciary uh, who managed you know, a few hundred million out of Highland Park, Texas, uh, we had a three-hour lunch, and he basically broke down to me uh, um, being a fiduciary or being a fee-only uh, advisor where you don't sell products. He explained to me uh, the eliminating the conflict of interest, right, because some products pay you more uh, to sell it um, than other products. And typically, those products are, you know, in general, the worst products. Um, but if you, you know, got a family, having kids, have a mortgage, uh, one month, you might be... Um, you know, hip to selling those products, not because people are people commission people are bad people, just you know, they're human. And so you eliminate the conflict of interest by going fee only and being a fiduciary and being objective. And the industry, the fiduciaries are held to a higher standard, which clients love. And so he convinced me. Uh, I left where I was, went to an independent shop where I became a fee only fiduciary um, and learned a lot. Like it was me and another financial advisor together. We, I was on the investment committee. We managed about $100 million together, um, learned a ton about uh, portfolio management, investing, uh, asset allocation, uh, history of mortgage. Because while I was there, I continued to just read books. And, and over those two years, I formed my own philosophy, uh, investment philosophy that I use for uh, Stonehill Wealth Management, the company that I run now, um, that's built around uh, some, some foundational uh, principles, right? First two is uh, don't try to time the market. Nobody can, can do assist consistently. And it's just not a very good strategy to build your plan on because if you're wrong, it costs you a whole lot of money. Second strategy, second thing was uh, a pretty shocker to me was you don't have to pick the best investments to earn a decent rate of return over time. Most people think they have to pick the hottest stock or the hottest industry. Investing is more of a 
not making a big mistake uh, type game, not exposing yourself to risks that you're not paid a lot for. So you're, you're basically trying to put yourself in a position where whatever risk you take, you have more upside than downside, which a lot of times is not investing in um, the companies that, you know, are the hottest over a period of time. Again, there's no way for you to know with hindsight, but you don't, you're not, you don't have to find the quote unquote uh, best investments. Right. And so you drill down that you're like, well, well, how do you, you know, how do you do that? It's a couple different ways, but the philosophy that, that, that got me was buying um, companies that are unloved that have uh, lots of value, right? The price that you pay uh, for assets um, is the variable to success for building a long-term investor strategy. Let me give you an example, specific example over different periods of time. So you had in the in the eighties Japanese stocks that were killing it. That's when Sony got big. Um, you know, if you watch Different World, you saw Dwayne Dwayne Wayne going on a uh, internship in Japan. Like they were hot. Japanese stocks in the country was hot, and so uh, those stocks were just killing it. And they got way overpriced because everybody was chasing what was high, which is normal for a lot of investors. And um, 89, the market crashed. And as a matter of fact, as of today, the Japanese stock market has not seen the level that it saw in 1989, meaning it's still below where it was in 1989, which is, it got really expensive. Then you fast forward to the 90s, right? Late, late 90s, tech stocks took over. And those got stupidly overpriced. Everybody chased it. Everybody was running to what's hot. And um, that crashed. And you basically had technology stocks not make money uh, for over 10 years. If you were invested in the S&P 500, uh, that was heavily dominated by the S by tech stocks in late 90s, you basically, if you, if you Google lost decade, the S&P 500 basically made no money for about 10 years of uh, if you invested in it because it was so dominated by tech stocks um nifty 50 right the nifty 50 if you the big com companies of today like the johnson and johnson and uh, general electric and you know all those brand name dominant big corporations today were the rising stars in the 60s and early 70s um, those had a 10 15 year period of time of just um, sucking it up because it got so overpriced. And so what, what you want to do uh, is when you're building your portfolio, don't don't chase the fad, right? Look at Bitcoin last year. People chasing Bitcoin, people chasing cannabis right now. Stay away from the expensive stuff and buy the cheap and unloved stuff. Because if I go back to those different time frames, you know, going back to the late 90s, you know, when um, tech stocks were super expensive, people like Warren Buffett were buying construction companies, manufacturing companies, financial services companies, um, um, you know, real estate companies, uh, commodity-based companies, oil and gas companies, energy companies. They were buying up those that were like boring and unattractive in the late 90s, but they were priced right. Like they were cheap, bought them, and those ended up doing very well over the next 10 years, you know. And so you can look at all different time periods um, and, and, and look at what the, the group, buy a group of stocks that are cheap, and those consistently uh, outperform the more expensive stocks over the long term. And so it's not that difficult, right? Whenever you hear people say, you know, buy when others are fearful or uh, and sell when others are greedy, they're not talking about like 
the entire market all the time. Of course, it's when the entire market goes away, but it's also industries, right? Good investors like to look at individual stocks or industries that got smashed and look for value, right? Or just wait until the value opens up uh, and then buys. Value opens up, meaning it gets low enough and then buys and is patient, right? Because when you're doing that, going back to what I said before, you can't time the market. There's no way to know if when you're doing this, when the, when the market's gonna wake up and realize the value there. It may take six months, six days, six years, right? So you have to be patient, but you get paid for your patience because most people aren't patient, right? Investing is more of an emotional game than a mental game. You know, another big thing I talk about is most people don't realize they have really three investing buckets. They have the, their safety net bucket or their emergency fund and stuff that typically is like cash or CDs that they need to keep safe and they can't risk at all. Uh, they have their home run bucket. That's the bucket where they might run a business or buy real estate um, properties that they, you know, develop, manage, flip, or rent out. Um, and those are things that are super high risk. You put a lot of money in one, or, one asset or a couple of assets and you can make a lot of money uh, or you can lose it all. And then there's the middle bucket, aggressive diversified bucket, which is this bucket where you're building the long-term diversified portfolio in the stock market or REITs, which your real estate investment trust, and you're playing the long game. And when I break those out for clients, I say, hey, you want to have strategy for, for each of them, but you want to know which bucket in your long-term aggressive bucket. Um, you're not trying to kill it in the short term. You want to be long-term. We're not looking to make money this month or this year. We're looking at the long-term. Long-term meaning you yeah, at least have a seven to 10 year time frame, right? longer depending on what your uh, financial uh, goals are but it's really as simple as that once you have a plan once you understand your return target based on the amount of risk that you have then we can back into which types of stocks you need to own to hit very likely or put you in the high probability of hitting that uh, target return it's that simple right it's that simple not over don't overcomplicate it spend all the money that Spend all your time figuring out how to get your home run bucket game up, right? If you want to be financially independent quicker, don't worry about how to become a stock market wizard. Figure out how to make an extra $2,000 a month, right? On your side hustle or through your business. And that is a better way um, to speed up your wealth building process. Uh, this is meant to be uh, educational, informational purposes, not meant to be investment advice. You need to seek your own counsel for making investment decisions. Investing involves risk. Past performance does not indicate uh, future performance or it's not an indicator of future performance. You can lose money if you don't know what you're doing. Y'all enjoy your day.